This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Kaylin Less. You've heard of putting your money where your mouth is, but how do you put it where your heart is? In today's episode, I'm joined by someone who teaches people how to use money as a tool to align their daily habits and behaviors with the lifestyle they value most. Her own journey to living her purpose, it started with the idea that if she could stop trading hours for dollars, she could start making a bigger impact on the world. I encourage you to listen closely and consider how thinking big about your purpose can be the first domino to consistently choose the small things that make your one big thing possible. With that, let's get into this episode with the host of the Afford Anything podcast, Paula Pant. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch, snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Sometimes people say they want to be millionaires, but Mm -hmm. very few are willing to commit to the activities required to actually accomplish that. Mm -hmm. How did you begin your financial journey of setting and accomplishing big financial goals? So I uh, did everything wrong. (laughs) I started by being far, far too frugal. I was thinking about just cutting, 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 cutting. Um, Largely, that stemmed from the way that I grew up. I uh, grew... My, my parents were immigrants. And so we had the brand new, just getting started in America kind of immigrant experience throughout my, my early childhood. And so I watched my, both of them, my mom in particular, be very frugal out of necessity. And you know, there's that expression, what got you here won't get you there. Cutting back in my early 20s was, it was excellent when I was making $21,000 a year. Like, you know, that's what you've got to do when, when you're just out of college and that's what you're making. But it reached a point where I was focused on living as small as I could rather than reaching my true potential. I was focused on cutting uh, back on what I was buying rather than adding value to society. And that's where it became uh, problematic, not only for my finances, but also for my contributions to society. So as you began your journey on really setting and achieving bigger goals, like you had been on a history of frugality and then Mm -hmm. you realized, wow, I might be cutting myself short and my ability to contribute to the world. What was that discovery like? I mean, it was a gradual, slow process. I I think of it as a lifetime practice because there's never a point where you're done with it. 
But for me, a lot of uh, what I had to, the work that I had to do was to figure out what was at the root of that. And a big piece of what was, was underpinning it was a lack of confidence in my ability to make more money. And, and underpinning that was a lack of confidence in my ability to do something valuable for the world. And so my financial journey really, like at, at the very, very heart of it, was that journey of figuring out what is it that I have to offer the world of value? Because if I could figure that piece out, then you know, I could earn more, I could contribute more, and I could, I could increase my income and, um, you know, and, and still manage it well, like still be, have, a, have a modest, frugal lifestyle, but without getting so hung up on consumerism. And, and by, by consumerism, I mean frugality is essentially a focus on consumerism. You're focused on spending money. Specifically, you're focused on spending less. You're focused on deals and discounts, but it is still a focus on consumer spending. And that is different uh, than it's distinct from a focus on creation and production. Let me peel back a layer on that because what it sounds like is that your understanding of what money could do for you was really limited at the Mm -hmm. beginning. And then you realized, wait, actually, this is a tool that can help me live my purpose and show up in the world differently. So if you strip all of the buying things out of it, and you start to apply your income and abundance to what you want to contribute to the world, Mm -hmm. it's a very different different framework. Am I right? I, I would say that it's, it's, it works both ways. Money is a tool that can enable living your purpose, but also living your purpose is an action that can lead to more money. Tell me more about that. So living your purpose with regard to uh, creating something of value. Like, so for example, I, I, I hope, I think I'm a, I'm a good teacher. And I love working with students. I love teaching. I teach an online class. And that's something in which my, my interests, my passions, my purpose all align in a way that produces income for me, right? That is distinct from, as we were talking about earlier, focusing on clipping coupons, focusing on living in an apartment with eight roommates and um, walking everywhere because I don't even want to buy a you know, 12-year-old used car right? Those, those types of ways in which all of my time and energy and attention were spent uh, trying to shave an additional $5 off of whatever I was doing, that was, that was sapping all of my time. It was sapping all of my energy. It was frugality that came at the expense of me saying, you know what? Maybe my purpose is to, in part to teach. And maybe if I did that, I could add some value to the world and receive value in the form of compensation in return. It makes me think a lot about uh, the 80-20 rule in the mm-hmm. sense that we invest a lot of time and energy and often things that we think are important because maybe the world tells us or maybe it's something that we inherited. Like it's a story that we've told ourselves that that clipping coupons is actually going to make an impact in our financial future. Right. What I'm hearing you say is that you started to hone in on the true activities that would not just fulfill you in your own purpose, but also the income for your life so that you could continue to grow that purpose. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And so the more that my, the more that my day-to-day actions were aligned with that purpose, um, I, guess, I guess alignment is the operative word. The more it all came into alignment, my financial future, um, you know, my, my, my financial abundance 
would then be aligned with the way that I was spending my time. And then, so it kind of became this, this self-reinforcing cycle where by living, by exercising my talents and skills, I could make more money and, you know, and by making more money, I could then be, I could then apply that towards exercising my talents and skills even further. Yeah. What I'm hearing you tell me is this story of a before and after, but I don't have clarity on the bridge. And I'm imagining a lot of people think, well, if I could just spend less or if I could just narrow my life and make it smaller, then I could afford this big purpose that I want to go out and make an impact in the world. Right. What you're telling me is there was there was a journey between there. So can you walk me through how you got from a frugality expert to actually thinking <laughs> big and living your purpose? Sure, absolutely. So my f- first job out of college, I graduated from college in 2005 and I went to work as an entry-level newspaper reporter at a small town, a relatively small town paper. Um, my starting salary was $21,000 a year. That was, and, and I lived on that, you know, that was my, my starting salary. And that was when I was in the space of being obsessed with uh, cutting back, being obsessed with frugality. I lived in a basement studio apartment. I um, I drove a $400 car. When I tell people that, they're like, do you mean it was $400 a month? I'm like, no, 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 no. I mean, it was $400 total, period. <laughs> and my thinking at that time was cut back, cut back, cut back. And, and to be fair, I did enjoy my job. You know, I, I liked being a newspaper reporter. I, I still love the the journalism industry and the newspaper industry, but it took me, I guess, going to conferences and reading books and, and just spending some time reflecting on, is this how I'm going to spend the next 40 years of my life uh, before I realized, you know, this, this living in a basement studio apartment thing is fine now, but what would I do if I ever wanted kids? You know, I like, how, how is this going to be sustainable or scalable? The only way for that to happen would be if I made more than $21,000 a year. And in my particular job or industry, I don't see that happening. But I didn't want to just punch the clock somewhere at some job that wouldn't fulfill me. Uh, that was an option and it was a route that I saw other people taking. And I knew that I didn't want to do that. I wanted to make more money, but I also did not want to abandon my talent and skill. And, and I, I believe that a big piece of purpose is when you use your talents and skills in a way that benefits society. You know, I didn't want to let go of that piece. Um, And so that led me over time to kind of asking the question, all right, how can I? How can I do both? How can I live that purpose uh, and also make a good sustainable income and build, build wealth over time? You know, I don't believe that those, those two are in opposition to one another. And so it started out very simply. It started with me saying, well, you know what I know how to do is write. So I'm going to write some freelance articles. Um, And I began writing freelance pieces for magazines, for websites. uh, And that led to me realizing, you know, I'm looking at my hourly rate as a freelancer and I'm looking at my hourly rate working this, this job. And hour for hour, my rate as a freelancer is substantially better so after three years at that newspaper, I, I quit. Um, and I was, I was the weirdo who quit a newspaper reporting job in 2008 in the middle of the Great Recession. Like it's, it's the middle of a recession and I quit a job in a declining industry. And so everyone thought I was nuts. Everyone said, you're never going to get a job again, which in hindsight, they were right. I never have gotten a job again. 
Um, but I knew that uh, if I were to pursue something bigger, I would have to take some bigger risks. And the fact that I had spent that time freelancing, the fact that I had spent that time really building proof of concept that, that I could go out there independently in the world and try to make something of myself, um, that gave me the confidence to do it. And so in 2008, I quit my job, went and traveled for a while, mostly stayed in places where the dollar exchange rate really worked in my favor. So I spent a year in Southeast Asia, traveled around Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam, Myanmar, um, just all over Southeast Asia. Spent another year in Australia living out of a, a Nissan uh, Patrol, which is like the slightly big brother version of the Pathfinder. Lived in the back of that for a year in Australia, drove 28,000 kilometers around the country. And had my great big adventure, um, but freelanced a little bit along the way. And, and it just built on itself. And eventually, freelancing led to blogging, led to podcasting, led to teaching online courses. Like it all snowballed on itself. Paula, I want to recap what you did there because it's a perfect example of thinking big and going small. Because you had this big idea about what was possible for your life and how you could potentially live your purpose while also doing the things you loved. And you started small. You didn't mm -hmm. throw away the life that you had and quit your job right away. You started with some small freelance gigs. And mm -hmm. then those freelance gigs, they taught you and proved to yourself that you were able to make money doing that one thing. Mm -hmm. And they became the proof of concept that when the opportunity came up, and granted, the economy was terrible, but you were brave enough to take the plunge and build a life for yourself. And by knocking down that first domino of proving to yourself that you could generate income and leading with revenue in your life, you could actually quit that day job. And when you quit that day job, you suddenly were empowered to knock down that next domino of imagining a life for yourself anywhere in the world and getting crafty around where could I live that would fulfill me while also being affordable enough in this new world and one after the next, after the next, you suddenly look up and you have a podcast and you have courses and you have all these opportunities and you're reaching more people with this critical knowledge that you've used in your life for your own success. That is a perfect way of putting it. It, it did. It, it all started with the, the lead domino of how can I make money in a way that uses my talents and skills to better society, you know? And it's, it certainly is not the case that every single freelance article that I wrote was like, you know, worthy of a Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> um, certainly there are plenty of articles that I wrote that, that just gave me practice or just gave me a little bit of income or just gave me a shred of additional confidence. But every single time while I was still at my day job, every single time, that I published a freelance article, even if it was only for $75, I got a little bit more money, a little bit more confidence. You know, I got that first lead domino knocked down. The one that said, you know, the, the question in my mind that said, can I do this? Every single article was slightly more proof of concept that told me I can, that this is possible, that moving on to bigger things is within my reach. And so that's why in the worst economy of my adult life to date, I still said, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready to quit my job. Even though everyone says I'm nuts, I'm going to do it. It took a lot of courage to even start asking the question. We've got mm -hmm. listeners out there that I'm sure are questioning like, 
man, I wish I could get out of this job and do something more fulfilling, but haven't asked the question yet in a way that actually they've answered with an activity. And you really did start that journey one article at a time, but the question is what really unleashed that possibility. And like you said, by then you had the courage to you know, leave that day job behind in the midst of a declining economy. It's a yeah. brave thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and all of that was motivated by the, the desire, you know, the, the ultimate vision that I had was lit, use my talents and skills in a way that is good for the world and also make a, a build wealth doing it. You know, I, I don't just want to be living a paycheck to paycheck for the rest of my life. So do it in a way that provides abundance for me, but without, without accepting the false dichotomy that you can either pursue your purpose or make good money, but you can't do both. I, the, I think the one thing, the one value that I really held was that I, I did not believe that for a second, even if I had to rack my brain to figure out how can I. You've said before that you can afford anything, but not everything, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's true for your money, your time, your focus, and your mm -hmm. attention. Exactly. And on that journey to being able to use your skills for meaning in the world, tell me more about how that you can afford anything, but not everything journey was for you. Mm. So that concept was born when I began traveling. And so many of my friends, again, this is 2008, we're at the start of the Great Recession. And so many of my friends said, I would love to do that, but I can't afford it. I heard that same mantra over and over and over. And it frustrated me because I knew that these particular friends made a lot more than I did, but they spent a lot more on, on various discretionary items, uh, $14 cocktails at the bar, uh, you know, nicer cars, bigger apartments with stainless steel appliances. You know, that was where they were spending their money, which if that's what they chose, if, if they sat down and they thought, what do I value? What do I prioritize? And they came to the conclusion that they would rather have their current lifestyle than travel. I fully embrace that. I fully applaud them. But that's not what they were expressing. The idea that they were expressing was, oh, I would love to do that. You're so lucky. I would love to go to Thailand and live there for six months, but I can't afford it. And so that was where the notion that you can afford anything but not everything came from. It's fundamentally the idea of opportunity costs. Well, what you said, Paula, about how you were investing your money and your dollars and the choices you were making, you were being so purposeful and you could see your friends looking at you and saying, I could never afford that but you could see that they were not purposefully using their dollars. They just had invested them in ways that gave them the life that they were living. And exactly. What you were doing with dollars is what we teach people to do with time. Right. To be purposeful around how they invest their hours, their minutes with the people who matter most and the things that matter most versus casually spending their time on things that come up in their path or... Right out of habit, spending their time on things that they've always spent their time on that don't actually matter and don't get them closer to the life that they want. Mm. The idea of I can't afford it is the money version of the idea, I don't have time for that. Any limited resource, whether it's your money, your time, your energy, your attention, any of those are limited resources. And by, by virtue of being limited, 
you have to be incredibly intentional about where you direct it. The fact that these are limited resources opens up the question of what do I value the most and how do I make decisions on a daily basis as that reflects those values. And so every time that I heard a friend say, I'd love to go to Thailand, but I can't afford it. It was, I felt probably, I would assume how you feel when you hear somebody say, I would love to lose weight or um, learn how to paint or learn a foreign language, but I don't have time. It's one of those limiting beliefs that when people say they can't afford it or they don't have time for it, it's truly a reflection of that they haven't chosen what their priorities are and chosen where to invest it. They are spending time versus investing it. They are spending their dollars versus investing their dollars. And that differential, like that's the difference between a life well-lived and living a life of regret. And I just want to reinforce that for you, the listener that's listening to this, we have a lot of empathy for you in your journey and where you are and where you want to be. And if there's a gap between that, we know you weren't taught this in school. We know that these skills are not easily accessible right in front of us. But at the same time, they are simple principles that you can implement right now. They are, there is always one thing you can do to start yourself on that journey, to start living your purpose and putting your dollars towards it. Paula, where would you suggest someone start when they're looking at their life and they're saying, well, I have this big thing that I want to do, but I don't know where to begin. And I know I'm meant for more, but my dollars seem to not be able to afford the the purpose that I'm here to do, where would you start? The first thing I would do is cut the low-hanging fruit. In almost every person's budget, there's some things that are the 80-20 the solutions of, all right, you can cut that, you can cut that, you can cut that, and that's the 80-20 of cutting. So cut the low-hanging fruit, cut the stuff that you do not value at all, but stop when you've picked the low-hanging fruit, do not climb higher on that tree because climbing higher on that tree is a poor expenditure of your time, your energy, your attention. Instead, once you've picked that low-hanging fruit, then switch to asking yourself, what is the gap between what I'm earning and what I'm spending? Because your goal is to grow that gap. So much of the time, there are people on the earn more side of the equation who focus only on what they can earn. There are people who are on the spend less side of the equation, like the way that I used to be in my early 20s, where we focus only on what we can cut back. What matters is growing that gap between what you make and what you spend. And so once you've cut the low-hanging fruit on your spending, then ask yourself, is that gap sufficient? And if it's not, then look towards the earning side of it because you've already looked towards the saving side of it. What I loved about what you shared with us is that really what you're doing with people and helping them understand how to invest their money is what we do with people and helping them invest their time and overcoming the lie of productivity that really everything does not matter equally. And what we invest our dollars in, there are a lot of things that do not matter. Mm -hmm. And just like it is with our time. So I really appreciate the parallel because when you start to learn how to live that in your life with your time, it's just as applicable with your dollars. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. And that's why I've always been such such a big fan of the one thing and and the, the philosophy of the one thing because 
everything that you share about time, all of it applies to money. If you take the one thing framework and you apply it to your finances, it's a perfect fit because fundamentally, whether you're talking about time or money, you're talking about the management of a limited resource. And so how do you manage limited resources? That's the discussion. Yeah, and purposefully doing it versus letting it just happen to you. I think that's that's the heart of it is making those choices versus leaning on old habits. I really appreciate you being here, Paula. Where can people learn more about you? So I host the Afford Anything podcast and I would suggest heading there first and foremost. Um, subscribe to the show and listen to some of our, our awesome episodes. Jeff Woods, of course, was our New Year's Day guest. Uh, New Year's wow, Day 2021. Kicking off the new year. I love that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Come listen to, to all of the wisdom that he shares on that episode. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thanks for being here. And I'm just excited because the possibility of people living their purpose when one person at a time is doing that, so much more becomes possible for all of us. And so I just love the, when I zoom out on the, what becomes possible with that, I just get really stoked. So thank you. Excellent. Thank you. There you have it. Our conversation with Paula Pant. What really stands out to me are the parallels between how we invest our time and our money. Both are limited resources that have an exponentially higher return when we're clear about what matters most and we take it one step further to understand our big why behind our priorities. Because here's the thing, when your financial habits are aligned with what matters most, you're equipped to live a life by design. And when you practice saying yes to what fuels your purpose and no to everything else, you can accomplish big goals and live your dream life. You may be thinking to yourself, wow, yep, that sounds great. But my purpose, it feels so big that I don't even know where to begin. So spoiler alert, the path to getting everything you want, it starts by doing one thing at a time. <laughs> I know we've said it once, we'll say it again. You must start small to accomplish big, extraordinary goals. So ask yourself the question, what's the one thing you can do to make a small investment in your purpose one day, one dollar, or one small decision at a time and start today. If this episode has brought value to you, who's someone you know or care about that would benefit from listening to it? Would you share it with them? And if you're that person, welcome to the One Thing Podcast. Click the subscribe button so that all future episodes will be automatically downloaded to your device. And for all of you, thank you for listening. And please consider leaving us a rating or review on your podcast player of choice as it genuinely helps us reach more people and live our purpose of helping others achieve their goals. Thanks so much for listening to the One Thing Podcast. We look forward to being with you in the next episode.